Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk about purpose with inspiring people making a positive impact with their lives. We are particularly interested in social enterprises and entrepreneurs. We will listen to them reflect on their journeys and take time to dig deeper in order to better understand what really motivates their choices. Hey everyone, welcome along to the show. I'm really glad you could join me as we're going to be speaking with Bridget Williams, who's the founder of Bead and Proceed, an amazing initiative which raises awareness about the SDGs, which are the Sustainable Development Goals. And this is one of those wide-ranging interviews where we talk about many, many different topics because we both became lawyers, so there's that in common. But then Bridget's also had some unique experiences. For example, she had a recurring role on the television series What Now?, which many of us grew up watching as kids. So it's pretty world-famous here in New Zealand. If you enjoy this interview and find it helpful to learn about the SDGs, as well as hearing about this entrepreneurial initiative then it's highly likely that a friend you know would also appreciate it. So why not share it? It's really easy to do that from within podcast apps. There will be a button somewhere, and if you click it, it will give you the options to share. Doing that really helps the word get out about the podcast, and it's really appreciated. There's more than 100 in the back catalog now, so you might want to check those out. And subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. Now let's get into this conversation with Bridget. All right, so it's a pleasure to welcome Bridget Williams, who's the founder of Bead and Proceed. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, David. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I can tell. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've had a guest as excited as you are. Yep. No, I'm an enthusiastic human. Yeah, yep, definitely. Definitely. Good. <laughs> well, what we're going to do on this episode, we're going to talk a bit about your background and where you're from, and then talk about what you're doing today. And I'm really fascinated by Bead and Proceed, <laughs> and but more bigger than that, the SDGs, awesome. because I think that the um, your idea is really a vehicle to drive understanding and awareness about what the SDGs are. Um, and it, well, some people are going, "What's that acronym he's using?" <laughs> so yeah, I know. The Sustainable Development Goals, and and so I'd love to find out more about your understanding and what they are, and some of your experiences. But also, I know you have worked as a lawyer, yes. So we share that as well, and mm-hmm. so I'd love to just hear your reflections about some of that too. So, um, but if we can just start with the beginning of your journey and just take us back to your childhood and just tell us a bit about where you're from. Yeah, awesome. I feel like I want to hear like whimsical music in the background, you know, as we like take a step into my past. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I should have arranged that. Sorry, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I was actually thinking about this today. I was lucky enough um, to catch up with my family um, because they all live in Christchurch. So born and bred Cantabrian, Mm -hmm. about a sixth generation. Um, Didn't come on a first four ship, though. Um, Sorry, guys. But (laughs) but no, I love this city so much. I love this place. And uh, I guess starting with my family, I should say that I'm a twin. So there's two of me. Mm. Um, Identical twin. Well, we don't know. Oh, really? Yeah. How do you not know? Is it just? I mean, it wasn't you're on close m- enough. Or <laughs> yeah, we're very close, and I guess it wasn't on Mum's priority list. Um, mm. You know, when she was, you know, um, having us. So yeah. <laughs> so I think I, I feel as though um, that having a twin has meant that I've always had someone with me. So I love company, love people, uh-huh. and I guess there was a healthy element of being benchmarked to someone. So it was never competitive, um, but it was always, um, you know, we sort of challenged each other to, you know, to, to, to push each other to be the best we could be, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely helped. And mm. It's interesting because yeah. um, Louise Aitken, who's the CEO of Akina Foundation, she's a twin. 
Oh, really? So, yeah, when I interviewed her, we ended up talking quite a bit about being a twin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm so lucky. I'm very, very close to Hannah. Mm. I'd say she's my best friend. And, yeah, so we have, I, I mean, I think of my childhood and it was it was amazing. It was amazing upbringing. I was surrounded by a lot of love, a lot of support. Um, my I have an older sister. We have an older sister called Rachel, and she is killing it. She's in Sweden working for Spotify. She's an accountant. I don't tell her this enough, but she has been a massive impact on my childhood because she was very studious. And um, is that a word? Mm. Studious, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, studious. <laughs> or did you say sturdious? Oh, a bit of both. <laughs> a bit of both. A bit of sturdy studying. Yeah. No, 100%. <laughs> yeah. She was definitely like that. So studied and, well, I mean, you know, being... So she was an example that you could 100%. aspire to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And How um, much older is she than you? About three years. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 But she's an amazing role model. Hmm. Oh, that's good. Well, I love that declaration so that everyone can hear now. Yeah. And she'll know yeah. that she's loved. Yeah, that, Rachel. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> that's awesome. So your childhood, was it a childhood that did you enjoy sort of reading and being inside or did you enjoy the outdoors going hiking and that type of thing or what just paint a picture of yeah. what you enjoyed it sounds like fun um so we definitely loved the outdoors uh, we were tramping at a really young age my dad and my mum love skiing so skiing is our family sport right so we were so blessed to have amazing holidays together skiing and from skiing i was a ski instructor throughout university and me and my partner did three months in the States ski instructing. Mm. Um, but I think I think about what my dad taught. And I, I'm not sure, but my dad and all of his brothers um, are very, very hardworking, very hardworking. But I'd say that there's probably an element of, um, you know, they had, it didn't come easy to them studying. They really had to work hard and they were very much people people, a people person, that's mm -hmm. it. So... I definitely felt I got that inspiration from my dad. So, yeah. So, no, we love the outdoors. We love people. And there was this real sense of whatever you put in life, you get back. Right. Yeah. And in terms of the skiing, was that where were you going to do that skiing? Was it like Porter Heights, Mount Hutt, sort of local places? Because yeah. I love skiing as well. So I'm just curious. <laughs> no, of course. So we um, were Cheeseman skiers. Okay. That was where I learned to ski. And it was the best time because there were all of these Swiss, like young Swiss men instructing us. So they were sort of like half babysitters, half ski instructors. And we would just, you know, run around, um, play go home, stay home at um, the Cheeseman Club. And then obviously we'd ski throughout the day. And then we moved to Mount Hutt when I was probably around, yeah, um, end of primary school and did ski racing up until I was about 17. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So what is it that you love about skiing? Oh, jeez. Um, I mean, I love that feeling of going fast. Mm. It's so much fun. And I, I, it's the mountains. It's being away from the city, having that time to just like feel the wind, you know, rush past. And I think there's probably an element of it being a solo sport. Not that I don't like being a team player, mm. but you have to challenge yourself. And I think those lessons I've tried to take with me um, through life. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So what lesson in particular are you meaning? You're so good at this. <laughs> um, you know, it's those, well, I mean, I guess skiing definitely taught me, like there were times when 
you know, you'd be going really fast and you'd be giving it your all and then you'd slip on ice or mm. you'd, you know, you'd, you'd take a tumble or you didn't do as well as you thought. And just that lesson of so long as you can say that you gave it everything and you did your absolute best, like that's enough. Just mm. be proud of that. Mm. Which is a valuable lesson, like you say, for all of life, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. And I guess um, growing up then, take us through in your teenage years, like what sort of things were you enjoying and, I don't know, studying or what, what describe yourself. Yeah. Um, look, I, in my teenage years, I didn't, I didn't know how to study. I didn't know what that meant. But I remember it was probably around... I must have been 16. That was the year. You know, you know when people have, that was the year I kind of figured out who I was a little bit. For mm. me, that was definitely it. And the reason why is I, I learned the importance of if you do the hard work, you see results. And for me, what I loved at the time, I loved reading. So I had really discovered reading. I know that sounds kind of strange, you know, because obviously you read all through your life and mm. I did, but it was in my was when I was 16 that I really loved novels and I loved fiction and I also loved the TV show Gilmore Girls. Right. <laughs> and I know this sounds kind of lame, but um, Rory Gilmore was my idol and she wanted to go off to Yale and she was such a hard studier and I was so inspired by that. And so it was actually a TV show that sort of inspired me. Right. To, you have a poster a... up on the wall and this is well, who I want to be. <laughs> not quite that. I just love, I mean, it was because of Rory Gilmore and I'm sure there are heaps of other um, people that feel the same way, that she, you know, she made studying cool. And, yeah, I, I, so we, I used to watch all the, like, we had it on DVD and, we'd, you know, watch it every night. And it's because of her I love coffee. <laughs> Probably have a slight addiction. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's a, um, so definitely I loved Gilmore Girls. I loved reading. I was skiing. I had a really well-balanced mm. teenage, you know, teenage time. I never really went through, like, a rebellious stage. Maybe I'll have one later on in life. <laughs> but yeah, no, I quite, um, I found myself when I was 16, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And is that finding yourself, do you remember, like, is there a specific time, like, is there a journal entry where you realized this is who I'm becoming? Or was it more that time of life that you were yeah, realizing it's, it? It's such a, I mean, you're so good at this. Because <laughs> um, I, I have thought about it and I think, I mean, I did journal heaps, but it's not like I would write in my journal. Today I found myself, mm. you know, it was more, it was that time of my life that I had a lot of balance. Um, you're always with your friends. I I started, that was when I started to really understand people. You know, I was thanking my teachers after every class and mm. I realized if you thank them, you know, they, you know, they, they kind of realize who you are and that helps in future if you want to become prefect you know all these little things I was starting to pick up mm -hmm. not you know obviously I loved my teachers they were amazing um I wasn't just doing it to be tactful mm -hmm. but it was just a time of my life that I felt yeah a real sense of balance and also and I have to say this it was pre-quake as well mm -hmm. so that might have something to do with it too because mm -hmm. it was you know the um the first earthquake in September happened in my last year of school right so it was you know pre um yeah pre-february pre the stress of yeah, that yes. type of time so yeah. that might have something to do with it too yeah. i've actually always wondered yeah yeah it's interesting well this is this is the beauty of the podcast is that you can kind of go back in time and reflect and think about what is it that shaped me into 
who I've become. And I know now the sustainable development goals and environment and things are important to you. Are there traces of it back then or is it or not? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, well, there was, I mean, so I was lucky enough to become a prefect and I realized if you're in those really privileged positions, you can actually make a bit of change, a mm-hmm. bit of movement. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think there was that. And that, um, I mean, the SD, also, of course, like the United Nations, um, Amnesty International and the Environment Club are really cool clubs to be a part of mm-hmm. at school. So definitely that. But that's the other thing too. It really was um, the Student Volunteer Army that mm-hmm. led me to have a, more of a sense of um, being community-minded and being a part of something. As a wonderful man named Lane Perry once told me, it's about being a part of something that's bigger than you but better because of you. And I didn't discover that until university. Mm, yeah. I see. Say that quote one more time because that would sound no, good. I know. Isn't it <laughs> and, uh, is, is it's it very profound. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So it's um, Professor Lane Perry who, um, so he ran the Emerging Leaders Development um, team, which was a scholarship that I got at uni, and it's his quote. So it's it's about being a part of something that's bigger than you, but better because of you. Right. Mm. I see. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. So you come to the end of your high school years, and you, the earthquakes have happened and things. Did you know what you wanted to study, or did you know what your next steps were in terms of? Obviously, you went to university. So yeah. how was that a clear path for you? Or? Uh, yeah, well, I knew I loved, you know, history and drama and um, English. So for me, it was law. And my dad, um, you know, he has a law degree and my uncle practices law. So for me, I really wanted to do to do that for dad and to do that for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew I wanted to do law, but it was, university was definitely a time of my life that changed everything because I was surrounded by, you know, the amazing, you know, awesome people like Jason Pemberton and Sam Johnson who were just, you know, really showing that students are capable of so much. Mm -hmm. And so I was lucky enough to be a part of the Student Volunteer Army and um, was president in 2013 and 14, and that really changed everything. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what what changed? (laughs) What were the key things before and after? What was it that you learned through those experiences? Um. It was about, it's hard to, it's hard to sum up. It was, there was so much of it. I think it was really about, you know, we have such a limited time on this earth, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like it's so short Mm -hmm. and, you know, but you never, ever, ever regret the time that you give to other people. And that was what volunteering really taught me. You know, you never regret a time spent volunteering because people are so grateful. And I think within everyone or within like most people, there's this element of just wanting to give because you do get so much from that. Mm. And that's definitely what volunteering and the SVA gave me. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. The word that I've been hearing a lot recently and that kind of echoes that is the word stewardship mm. or kaitiakitanga, you know, the guardianship. And I think in Western culture, it's very focused on individuals and how much money I've got, <laughs> you yeah. know, that type of thing. Whereas the, the longer game of, of stewardship that you're here on the planet for a very short time mm-hmm. and you're not inheriting from your parents, you're holding on trust for your children, you yeah. know, that there's that kind of element to it as well, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. 
And there's a um, one of the things that I studied at uni. So I yes, I I did do have a, a law degree but also did BA and I majored in political science and classics I'm a massive classics fan mm. and I thank my um, Ms McDowell and Mr Bernie from Christchurch Girls High School for that they were amazing teachers and I there was an incredible um, an incredible man called Pericles and he has a great quote which is what you leave behind is not what is engraved in stone monuments but woven into the lives of others mm. and I thought that quote was just so it's such a great parallel for what Christchurch was going through because we did lose buildings. We lost infrastructure. Yeah. But that's not what's important. What was important was what we instill in each other. And mm-hmm. it was that community spirit. So that sense of community I really took on and valued and embraced at uni. Mm-hmm. And then I've kind of taken that further through my life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, we're going to have to have like a quotes list here, aren't we? Like we're doing well. Let's see how many we can get in. That's awesome. No, I love it. And um, just as an aside or a, a, a side note here, just thinking about classics, what was it that you loved about that? Like what what, what connected you to that? I loved, um, well, it was like the Greek gods and goddesses I found so fascinating. Like mm-hmm. Greek myth was just mm-hmm. such a cool way of explaining things. Um, and once again, coming back to Rachel, my older sister, she was a massive Harry Potter fan. Right. And J.K. Rowland did, you know, all of her spells in Harry Potter, um, uh, Latin. Mm-hmm. And so then I found out, like, Rachel loved Latin, Rachel loved classics, and, you know, I just kind of wanted to right. do what Rachel did. Bigger sister. Yeah, that's it, totally. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, and that's why I took classics. I, I stood Latin for a year, was terrible at it, <laughs> absolutely terrible. I wish, you know... I wish I did better, but I still love that. I love the philosophy behind classics, and mm. I love, um, you know, when you think about it, they were so advanced, the ancient Greeks. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's the amazing thing is, like, there's so many amazing pictures or stories, metaphor, metaphors that are still applicable, you know, and um, with the, strip away the technology, and there were people who wrote these stories or or told them mm. and that's something i think we kind of lose sight of that we you know you and i are alive at, at the moment but thousands of years ago there were people coming up with these amazing pictures yeah. and yeah. you know don't fly too close to the sun mm-hmm. you know like there's there's so many great images definitely yeah. and in the philosophy side of it too like stoicism so me and my partner are really into that at the moment right. so you know the idea that you know just focus on what you can control not on what you can't, mm. um, and just you know, it's all so still so relevant today. Yeah, yeah. I think that's another quote. <laughs> Is it? Oh, sorry. <laughs> we just made it up. That's good. <laughs> Focus on what you can change, not yeah. what you can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So you're in university and you're studying law mm-hmm. and things, um, but it sounds like you also had all these other interests as well in terms of volunteering, community service. Um, how did you come to the decision that you did want to practice as a lawyer? Like, what, what, was, it, what was that about? Um, well, I always wanted to do law to practice it. Mm-hmm. Why law? I mean, it was because my dad had done it. It was in my family. Mm-hmm. A massive fan of Legally Blonde. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just I loved, um, you know, it was, it was, obviously there was that justice element too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember at school I learned about the Black Civil Rights Movement. And that got me really into Bob Dylan, which mm. got me into the story of the hurricane, you know, and there's mm. a lot of, there's some real themes of injustice in there. Mm-hmm. So I definitely did law from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this idea of wanting to, you know, help people who might not be able to 
you know, be in a position where they um, they can voice their opinions. Mm. So it was that, but obviously, you know, the law that I got into was very different from that. Mm, sure, <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, though, because I think many law students study law because they want to effect change or help others. I know because I studied at Canterbury as well, and when, in, when I was doing an honors paper, it was on the European Court of Human Rights, oh, and it was yeah. all about human rights mm. and how do we... You know, Justice Fitzmaurice, who was a particular judge who I studied, you know, but it was very much this sort of how do we change things? Yeah. Um, and then, but then for me, and probably for you as well, the reality of practicing law isn't always about saving someone who's suffering from human rights, is mm. it? So, mm. yeah, interesting. So, what else was happening at university? What are your other memories of that time, I guess? Oh, it was a lot, a lot of hard work, a lot of studying, um, really, really into. Um, the clubs on campus. So right. like SVA was a massive part of my life. Um, over that time, I also ran for the, um, for the local, um, you know, for community board. Mm-hmm. So from learning about what I'd done at, you know, with the student volunteer army, mm-hmm. it was just a, a natural step to go into um, local government and sort of take that next step into giving back to the community mm-hmm. so um yeah so uni uni was really I don't know I, I was really serious at uni <laughs> like I didn't like I had fun <laughs> trust me I assure you I had fun but like it wasn't you know I don't yeah I actually I should actually say this the other the other thing too is um, me and my twin sister we were on a um we were lucky enough to be on the kids show what now so we were there for um first year and second year so that meant that we had to have early nights on Saturdays because we had the show on Sunday morning. Oh, okay. So that cut a lot of my social life. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. so when you were on, you were on screen. Yeah. Doing... Oh, yeah, right. we were called the Tally Twins. Ah. <laughs> they totally exploited us being twins, but it's all right. We loved it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like so we... what sort of things were you doing? Lots of cream in the face and stuff? Yeah, there, were just... gun- yeah, there was gunge, yeah. there was cream pies, there was... Um, well, Hannah and I, we had our little gig called Moves Like Your Mama, which was Hannah, we would have to do an interpretive dance and the kids had to guess what the, what the song was based on our dance moves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and were these things that you two were coming up with or were you being given oh no, ideas? We, or? we came up with them. Right. Yeah. We yeah. would do it the night before. Oh, really? <laughs> so bad. So you'd call each other and say, what are we doing tomorrow oh, morning? Well, well, actually, we were living at home oh, at okay. this time. So yeah. yeah. So we'd just do it like quickly before. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was a little bit of, you know, nervous energy in there. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> it was quite late to do it. Yeah. Because was it all, is it live or? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's live. So you're on. <laughs> but that gave me so much confidence, yeah. you know, and I think once again, thanks what now for, for that too, because it taught me, you've just, you know, when you're given the opportunity, you just have to go a hundred percent at it mm. because you get taught that the camera loses dynamic, you know what I mean? So right. it's very different to be saying something and being charismatic, um, you know, in, in front of people, but when you're doing it in front of the TV, it's sort of, you lose that. So you have to go an extra step. I see. Yeah. 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 And particularly, I guess, because normally, well, particularly being a lawyer, right? It, it's kind of a dry sort of presentation. And now we will read this other thing. Whereas to take it up a notch and to have the energy, and mm. that's what you're talking about, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What else did they teach you about being on TV? I don't think I've interviewed someone who's been on television as a weekly <laughs> sh- uh, kids show. <laughs> um, they taught us. So 
one of the things that was, I remember this quite well, um, to keep bringing things back to a punchline. Mm. So let's just say something really funny happened at the start of the episode. And then if there was a theme that you could bring back to that punchline to do it. Mm -hmm. So you see that a lot with comedians, you know, like they'll, um, they'll, like you you look at it on um, like the, I don't know, one of the late shows or something in, in the States and, you know, a, um, a guest will say something funny and then the comedian will keep asking questions and then, sorry, then the, the interviewee will bring it back to that punchline again. Right. And, it, you know, everyone like re-laughs because it's extra funny. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. yeah. Well, I actually think, because uh, I do a bit of presenting and usually I try to start with a picture of some kind at the start and then finish with the same picture mm. at the end. It's like a little neat conclusion that ties the beginning and the end. Yeah. And so it's kind of like that, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, um, remember that story I told you at the beginning? Well, here's what happened at the end, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's interesting. So you enjoyed the... the would, would kids meet you in the street and see you and hand it together and be like, oh, look. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we weren't like, you know, we were... We, were, we weren't the main presenters. Right. We were just like sub-presenters. Mm. But there were times where people would come up to us and say, can we have your autograph? And mm. Hannah and I were like, what is going on? Like, yeah. <laughs> sure, of course, but really? You want yeah. it? Um, and if you got tapes of all the shows somewhere uh, archived? Or? Uh, I, won't, I, I won't tell you where you can find them. <laughs> They're probably on the internet somewhere. But um, yeah, but no, it was it was such a fun time. It was yeah. I really enjoyed doing it with Hannah it was mm. that twin time that I think yeah it was fantastic mm. and the last minute adrenaline rush of what are we gonna do yeah and I mean live tv is so much fun you kind of got to roll with it mm-hmm. and I think that was a great skill too you know um just and then obviously you know got to, you got to remember your script as well so that helped with like remembering and yeah. muscle memory and that sort of thing but it was definitely just um you know being quick reacting fast and finding punchlines but you know, you got to like make sure the punchline's appropriate. Yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. a kid's TV show, you yeah. know, there's all these things going through your head. So I think it's definitely given me some great skills. Yeah. But I guess kids are a pretty sympathetic audience as well. And if there's gunge and yeah. pies and cream or whatever, <laughs> yeah, we, they're, they're going to be pretty forgiving. Definitely. Uh, uh, we knew we had said or done something funny when you could make the camera person laugh. Right. Because they'd be having it on their shoulder and you could just see the camera like shaking up and down because, you know, you've done something to make them laugh. So yeah. you knew you nailed it if you did that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, but you did that for two years and then that was the uh, end of the career? Or three years. Three and years, then, okay. But two of those years was at uni, which is right. why I, I think that probably crushed my sh- social life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, it sounds like you've um, balanced several different interests to be on a weekly TV show as well as studying, as well as volunteer army and, and other interests. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's good. So um, you get to the end of university and did you know uh, you you'd said you wanted to practice as a lawyer and you wanted to stay in Christchurch you didn't want to go to another city and Mm. so I loved Christchurch I was committed to it as well you know personally because I love it yeah but also on community board so each term is a three-year term so I was committed in that sense too Mm -hmm. Um, and I was lucky enough to um, get a summer clerkship and then be a part of that um that law firm's grad program and yeah. it was an awesome firm i loved it yeah yeah really cool oh that's good yeah so you made lots of friends there as well yeah yeah, yeah. a lot of friends but um you know it just it was a really i mean it was a, a firm that um 
if you wanted to to do something and if you were passionate about something, they would give you enough, you know, um, they'd give you enough resource and backing to make it happen. So mm. it was a great, a great law job, definitely. Mm. Yeah. That's great. I miss it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. And Georgia Robertson was there as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, she was Because I've interviewed her and we talked a little bit about um, being a lawyer and doing other things as well. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So um, how long did you do that for then? Is it? So I summer clerked um, with the firm for about, oh man, since 2013, mm-hmm. and then finished up last year. So working full-time for about th- almost three years, mm-hmm. and then, but yeah, but summer clerk since 2013, so it was really mm-hmm. like the only professional work environment. I mean, you know, obviously what now is professional, but a different kind. A different way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was a, um, yeah, it was definitely... Yeah, it, it's it's always it will always be something that I remember mm. for sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And before we started recording, we were talking because I work as a lawyer, and we were saying, you know, just about identity and things. Um, how has it been for you to have been, you know, law student, lawyer, and then transitioning out from that? What what's that dynamic been like for you? Yeah, it's been it's been interesting. Um, I think as a law student, you have to really give it everything, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's all your life for five years, and then it's all your life when you're working full time. Mm. And the work that I was doing, you know, I was taking it home with me, like mentally. Mm. Um, I was sort of doing a little bit of crime. Well, you know, I wasn't, but, <laughs> you know, um, representing those that had like male assaults, female, and drink driving convictions. And it wasn't the nicest of of work to be doing. Um, and but but anyway, when I when I left, I really did have a bit of an identity, mm. you know crisis I was who am I because it's so easy to tell people I'm a I'm a lawyer I'm a solicitor mm-hmm. and your your personality and who you are and what you do is summed up into a very nice sentence right there's a little box yeah there's <laughs> a little box yeah, yeah. so yeah. but being but obviously I feel like what I'm doing now is a lot more aligned to to my strengths and what I'm passionate about um yeah I, I knew I had to I, I had to make the leap now because you know, I'm in my 20s. I'm, I'm in a really privileged position to make a choice where I can live and work and something that, you know, I can sort of test it out and see where it goes. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah, that's great. So just talk us through that process, though, of before you make the leap, you know, because I, re- I remember meeting you maybe a year and a half or two years ago or something, and you were you were thinking about the different ideas and, and beat and proceed, you know, mm. it was kind of early days wasn't it yeah um but how what was the thought process to get to a point and was there a moment where you thought right I'm ready to give up this work that I've been doing and jump out on my own it, it wasn't really a moment I would say it was more um I had been thinking about it for so long and mm-hmm. I couldn't give what I was you know I couldn't give the law firm a hundred percent because mm-hmm. I was working on the side hustle and it just sort of thought, I have to see where this goes. But I can definitely tell you how Ben and Proceed came about, if yeah, like, that journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, yeah, so as I was saying, I was doing some pretty, you know, um, interesting, for want of a better word, mm. work. Um, it wasn't necessarily the most positive, and it really started to get to me. Um, I was, you'd probably say I was in a pretty dark place um, and just needed I didn't feel I didn't really feel like the work I was doing was of value I mean the firm made me feel 
value definitely and that was the confusing part you know they were so supportive but I didn't feel um, like I was doing you know um, great work and the work that I was doing wasn't very positive and I just remember feeling so sad and I just wanted to do something that made me forget about you know forget about the job for a second Mm. forget about the pressures of of law and just make something so I saw a necklace on Pinterest and I decided to you know put that into um, you know make it and painted it and I just was transported to a, a different place a different time I was in that state of flow and it was just amazing and I remember putting it putting the necklace over my neck and wearing it to work the next day and I just felt this real sense of pride that I had created something I'd made something Mm. of value out of nothing and I had a bunch of people asking me where did you get the necklace from can you make me one and I thought what if I could bring people together Mm. to make their own necklaces except they have to bring something positive to the workshop like a resource that has changed their life like a podcast or a book or a piece of advice and I thought that'd be quite fun and then I thought well there has to be something more than that and that's when I discovered the SDGs the mm. sustainable development goals in 2016 and I thought oh my gosh this is uncanny look at all the brilliant beautiful 17 different colors what if your necklace represents your top five SDGs that you want to work on so the necklace is more than just a you know fashion statement it's a statement for what you value mm. And so that's how Bed and Proceed came about. <laughs> right. Wow. So that happened quite quickly then in, in 2016? or Well, I kind of sat on the idea for about a year and a half because right. I just thought, this is stupid. Like, painting beads? How is that going to change the world? You know, I yeah. thought I didn't really have any belief in the idea. It wasn't until um, the incredible United Nations Association Trust found out about us and they told us that we should apply for some funding because they loved the idea. Mm. So we got funding from them and it's thanks to them um, that we were able to make our first order of Beat and Proceed kits. Mm. And then that's when I thought maybe I've just, I've got to do this mm. full time and see where it can go if I put every, like everything into it. Yeah. So when did you start um, full time in this? Because we're recording this in July 2019. So. Yeah. Uh, gosh, about like four months ago, okay. full time. Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. Mm. And when you handed your letter of resignation in, um, yeah, how was that? (laughs) Would you believe it? There was a quote in there. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, there was. But it was very true. I said it was, um, they completely completely understood. They were so great. And um, I I think I said something like, they say that you have two lives and the second one starts when you realize you only have one. Um, So I have to, I have to do this and and see where it goes. Yeah, mm. that's good. Well, I love the idea that you're in your 20s and you're willing to go for it. You know, oh, it's scary though. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Well, talk to me about that. What, oh, which no. bits are scary? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like it's hard. Like I don't. Like my parents are amazing, but I don't think they get it. My mum kind of gets it, but my dad doesn't. I mean, I told dad about what I was going to do. And he's like, you're not doing that bead thing, are you? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I do meet a lot of people sort of, um, you know, kind of thinking this is an odd concept. But but I kind of say, well, that's sort of the fun of it. It is odd. It is meant to challenge people, Mm -hmm. you know. I, like I want to make grown-ups paint beads, (laughs) you know. It's just sort of that's part of the fun. But it's scary in the sense that... um, you know, I'm used to working with people. Mm-hmm. So even though 
as I said, skiing was a very individual sport. I think deep down I do love I do love working with people because I am a twin. I've been with company all my life. So it's quite a lonely process doing this by yourself. Mm. I mean, I've got like, we've got a team behind me. Um, my, you know, my partner's involved and also I've got another person who I work with um, and a bunch of support as a sounding board. Mm. But at the end of the day, this is my baby. So I feel like I have, you know, got to look after it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can understand, particularly compared to say the law firm where it's like, here's what I'm doing today. And as yeah. we talked about, mm. you know, six-minute units mm. and, and how am I using my day and how, and which client am I working, which file. Whereas now you probably are, well, what do I do this week? What What's my aim here? Yeah, you've really got to... Self-motivated, right? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. But I think, but then I look back on my dad and my, my dad's a, uh, a real estate agent and he works for himself. Mm-hmm. And so... I think I kind of get that hustle from him. Mm. I like to think I hustle, but you know, I, th- I think, yeah. So it is about, um, and it goes back to the lessons that my you know parents instilled in me, which was you know what you put in life, the more you get out. You no, know, what mm. you get out, the more you get it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the effort, like effort, will um, come back to you. You know, so yeah. that's um, maybe you get out what you put in. That's or it. That's like it. That. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Too many quotes. Yeah. But um, but the other thing too is what I'm sort of living by at the moment is progress compounds. That's my mantra at the moment, mm. which is, you know, it's, it's um, I mean, things have, you know, things are going amazing and I'm really like, you forget how far you've come, but mm. it's, you know, it doesn't happen overnight and you, and, um, you know, you can sort of, yeah, it's, it's about the, the daily things you do that turn into the weekly things you do. And I mean, for example, I would never thought that I would be asked to be on seeds, you know, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. So I'm like, progress. Great. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it's all cumulative, isn't it? And and it it all builds into something. Mm. I know with the podcast, you know, when it first started, I would be happy if five people listened to it in a day. Um, and it's grown a lot, you know, like mm. now it's amazing how many people are listening to it. But um, But it's been that it's been hard work it's been a lot it's been like more than almost two years that I've been doing it so it's not like it started the first day with lots of people listening you know it's it's been push 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 the whole time so yeah yeah I hear what you're saying yeah yeah that's good so do you have any advice for people who are in startup mode or you know looking to go out on their own any things that you've learned in the last four months that you wish that you could tell yourself four months ago Oh, I'm still learning, so yeah. I don't really know. I think, um, I think one of the the thing one one of the things I do is, if you get a no or if you if things aren't going as fast, then um, whatever that looks like, if you want to call it failure or you know, um, I mean, obviously there's no such thing as failure. It's all learning. But mm. if you do get a no, then I take that no and try to make two more yeses. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I email someone about it, I get a no, then I'll make it my mission to email two more people does that make sense so it's like trying to get back on the horse as quickly as you can and just embrace the process embrace the failure just like this is so much fun like i love when people reject me yeah like you know because you kind of just have to get over yourself motivation from that yeah Yeah, take your ego out of it because and also comes back to making sure you have a really good why and my why i love it it's the Mm. sdgs you know Mm. it's making the world a better place Mm. so yeah so i think the other thing too that I mean a handy tool is just you know 
having a good tribe of people around you. Mm-hmm. So I'm really lucky to be a part of this fantastic group called Global Shapers, right. which has come out of the um, World Economic Forum. And mm. we're part of the Christchurch Hub. And they're just amazing, a bunch of young people. Mm. And so, you know, I've, I guess you'd kind of call it like a mastermind, like a bunch of people who help you. Yeah. Um, you know, if you need some motivation or connections or resources. So, and of course, you know, my family, my partner, my twin sister. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So you've got um, a support base. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw some photos on Facebook. You were in Hamner Springs recently, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Because I think I know most of the people <laughs> that were there. You probably Yeah. Some of them. <laughs> I, I recognized a number of faces. <laughs> yeah. But that's great. I, I completely agree with you. If you have a cohort of people who are saying, go for it, try it. Oh, it didn't work. Try this. Mm. It makes such a difference, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 And you, you just have to enjoy. Because when you think about it, like whatever making it looks like, you know, you've got to, you, you really have to enjoy the process because mm. that process is life. Mm. Mm. And if you're not enjoying the process and you're not enjoying life. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, mm. at least that's And it's I about, um, I think as well, just riffing off of that, it's about not waiting for the moment some point in the future when mm. it's a success enjoying the moments as they happen you know because otherwise you're constantly living in one day it will be huge you know and one day i'll have succeeded yeah but i think the reality is once you get to that one day there's always something else that oh yeah you're never going to get there that's it new levels new devils no yeah Yeah, that's it yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) like you're doing your um even when you get to that next point, yeah, mm. you're challenging yourself even more. Mm. So I think what's really important is you celebrate the the little things that happen. So yeah. like, I want to celebrate the fact that I've been asked to be on this podcast. There you go. And yeah. This is amazing. Woohoo! Woohoo! That's We're dancing, awesome. by the way. Yeah, yeah. They can't see. <laughs> they can't see us. <laughs> it's Friday night. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really good. Um, yeah, I like that. Uh, I think it's important, particularly when because lots of people are starting businesses or whatever listen to this podcast and that encouragement to get a good group of mentors and supporters and family and people that you can really draw strength from Mm. rather than feeling that it's just you on your own and that's it yeah 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 oh that's really good so i'd love to understand the sdgs i know a bit about them um because it's been on my horizon of understanding i actually interviewed someone uh probably a year ago now, about the SDGs. She had an initiative to promote them, but in a way that I didn't agree with. So the interview is actually fascinating because it kind of descends into we're talking a lot about what she wanted to do. It was like a loyalty scheme. Oh, yeah. Um, And it, yeah, anyway, I'll I'll put a link in the show notes and people can listen. It's probably the only interview where I end up disagreeing with my guest. Um, But there you go. So the SDGs themselves, um, can you just describe a little bit of background about them? And then why don't we run through sort of what they're covering? Awesome. Yeah, cool. So the um, SDGs stand for the Sustainable Development Goals. Mm -hmm. And they were... So I should start by a little bit of a history lesson. Mm-hmm. So in 2015, all of the world leaders came together and um, they created the Agenda th- Agenda 2030. Mm-hmm. And from Agenda 2030 came the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals. Mm-hmm. And they were adopted in 2016 by all UN member states. So that's all 193, which is all of them. So all UN member states have adopted the SDGs and they are to be achieved by 2030. 
Now, the SDGs address the biggest issues in today's society, from climate action to gender inequality, good health and well-being, life on land, life below water. And the biggest thing the agenda stresses is that no one can be left behind. So it's all of our responsibility to action the SDGs, whether you're a business, a school, an organisation, individual, um, local government, government, it doesn't matter. We all have a part to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I can go I can go right deep. Like I love SDG topics, <laughs> so you just tell me where to stop. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, but it, what I'd love to understand is the synergy with the being perceived idea mm, okay. as well. So the colours, for example... Um, each of the SDGs is represented by a colour, is that right? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, Beat and Proceed, so we exist to educate people about the 17 UN Sustainable Development Goals Mm -hmm. and to inspire action towards them through creativity. Mm -hmm. And we do that through a really simple way. You paint a necklace or a key ring that has five beads, and those five beads represent your top five SDGs that you want to work on. Mm -hmm. Um, So... While you paint your beads, you're in your group and you can, um, you know, you discuss what the SDGs are, you learn about them. We have a roadmap in each of our bead and proceed kits. And what's really special is for each bead and proceed kit purchase, another kit is donated to a low decile school or a deserving community organization, mm. which is trying to tackle what the agenda stresses, which is about including everyone in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So we don't want finance to be an obstacle because we want everyone to know about them. Right. So, um, the SDG, so one of the SDGs is 17, that's partnerships for the goals. So when you wear your necklace or you have your key ring, not only does it serve as a reminder to your commitment, but also as a conversation starter because mm-hmm. the necklace is bright, it's bold, it's quite different, and it gets people asking about it. And mm-hmm. you say, oh, these are my top five SDGs. And mm-hmm. people say, what are those? And then you're an advocate. And then the conversation starts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you've got a necklace on now mm-hmm. why don't you just talk us through the five that you chose because that way people can get a sense of what they are and um, yeah of course yeah. okay so um the bright pink one is reducing inequalities so this is about you know um it's it's sort of reducing inequality in all its forms you know whether it i see this as, as being gender there is a specific gender right. sdg but mm-hmm. for me this is about equality on all levels you know whatever it is um whether it's you know um, spiritual LGBT community or, um, you know, gender. Um, what's you know, pretty broad. Very broad, yeah. 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 Um, then this one here, SDG 12, this is responsible consumption. Mm-hmm. So this is obviously about, you know, being sensible with how we're consuming things. Um, for me, it's about, you know, um, living a, you know, zero plastic lifestyle mm-hmm. um, and, you know, no straws, that sort of thing. Some people say this is a bit of a cop-out, but I think it's, you know, it's about also thinking what can you realistically achieve. Um, and obviously you'll see that all the SDGs kind of link together. Mm. So, you know, if it's about making a change in these areas to ensure that there's less plastic in the ocean, which is, you know, life below water. Right. And then we've got sustainable cities. So this is something I'm very passionate about. This mm-hmm. is SDG 11. So this one here is, for me, I'm a massive cycling fan. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously I'm on the community board. So one of the things that I'm really pushing is the Jelly Park bike incentive um, mm. to incentivize more cycling. And because obviously we've got these cycleways and we need to do something with them. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so that goal is um, just about having a more sustainable um, city, whether it's promoting cycling, more green spaces, that sort of thing. And then my lighter blue color is SDG 16. So this is Peace, Justice and Strong Institutions. 
So naturally, this is my law background. This mm. is um, ensuring this goal here is super important because what the SDGs look at is um, it's sort of three areas. It's economic, social, um, and environmental. But you need to have partnerships to make all three come together. Mm. And the glue is ensuring you have strong institutions. So that's making sure that government's on board. And then my last one is partnerships for the goals which is kind of what Beat and Proceed is all about. Mm. You know, it's about spreading the awareness, um, collaborating with people, and, yeah, being an advocate for the SDGs. Mm. That's great. And so what's been the reaction to the business, and what sort of things are you doing? Obviously, you can buy a kit online, Mm -hmm. so anyone can run their own Beat and Proceed workshop. So each kit caters to seven people. I should actually tell, um, I'll explain a bit more about the kit. So everything we do, we're trying to align to the SDGs. So our kits are handmade and designed by an amazing company in Kolkata, India, called Silence, who give employment to people who are deaf, mute, and blind. Wow. So um, upskilling them, giving them decent employment, which is SDG 8. Mm-hmm. And then um, the paint we use is from the natural paint company which is eco-friendly paint and for every square meter of paint painted these guys save a square meter of amazon rainforest Mm. which is obviously you know sdg 13 um so you can anyone can purchase a kit and caters to seven people and then we also do beat and proceed epic which is just like you know it's where basically I can come and facilitate um, mm-hmm. a workshop for you guys and give you an epic experience. So it's a presentation, super high energy, um, split you all into seven, um, into groups of seven and have a bit of fun around planning what a, um, you know, implementing an SDG aligned project in your business or organization could look like. And then we take all the information um, from the night and give it, give the business a report to sort of show these are what your employees care about. These are their, you know, top five SDGs, which is really valuable information, Mm. right? Because you want to know whether your, you know, whether your staff's values align with the company's values. And then the other thing we do is sort of like bespoke events. So yeah, you could have like a beat and proceed party (laughs) (laughs) or like you could have, um, or we can curate, um, you know, an SDG event where we get, um, a bunch of people together have a bit of a panel discussion and yeah actually really um, you know get to the nitty-gritty of the SDGs and tell some success stories because the other thing too is businesses are really taking the SDGs on it is the most it is the globally recognized framework for sustainability so if you're a business that cares about sustainability you have to know the SDGs mm. and ideally you you should be framing your business strategy around the SDGs, which are what some companies in New Zealand are doing, which is awesome. And the term social enterprise, is that something that you're adopting as a label for what you're doing or or not? Yeah, I mean, I'd say it is. I mean, we've got that one-for-one model. Mm-hmm. It's obviously, you know, our mission and our purpose has got, you know, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's aligned with um, making the world a better place. Mm. Um, and obviously we support you know, um, companies that are doing awesome stuff too, yeah. like Silence and the Natural Paint Company. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you would be in the social enterprise oh, thank camp. You. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I make tick, the little yeah. <laughs> Well, the thing for social enterprise for me, um, it's a, it, some people get confused by the label, but I actually think it's about building into your business some good that's being done, whether it's promoting environment or um, some group that need like silence for example Mm. you know that you're actually empowering some change through your business rather than focusing on 
how much money are we making? What's the profit? Which you want to achieve as well to be sustainable <laughs> rather than being a charity. So, um, but it is that mix of the profit and the purpose, isn't it? Definitely. I mean, and I think we both went to an amazing event this morning. We did, um, yeah. the, the B Corp event, which was talking about, you know, profit, it isn't a dirty word. Mm. It's you need it to make impact. Um, we would like to take the profit that we make mm. and invest it into um, SDG aligned um initiatives so if you do beat and proceed you come up with a project you could apply to beat and proceed for some funding and we can give you funding from our profits to help make um your projects happen yeah that's the dream that's the dream so help us get there everyone (laughs) yeah yeah that's good well what we'll do in the show notes we'll put links to everything and people can click and find out more and yeah and in terms of um like you're based here in Christchurch are you getting interest from across the country have you done some things in other parts or are you hoping to go to Auckland and other places yeah so we've been really lucky to work with um some amazing companies in Auckland so we worked with Duncan Cottrell in Auckland Mm -hmm. and also stakeholder strategies Mm -hmm. so um they did beat and proceed for their retreat which, uh-huh. which, which was a really cool idea mm-hmm. because it is a very, um, you know, it's a very relaxing, fun um, thing to do, but also with a lot of um, purpose and you get so much out of it. Mm. A real team bonding mm. activity too because mm. you can't help but get personal when you talk about what SDGs are important to you. Yeah. 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 Why is it important to you that poverty is reduced or, or why is it important to you that the ocean is taken care of? And That's yeah, right. I, I can see that every single one would would um, trigger something wouldn't it Mm, and you know stories that you just don't know about um you know about your your colleagues so yeah there's been a few moments where I've listened to some amazing people open up Mm -hmm. and um the feedback that we got was had you know it was a beautiful experience Mm -hmm. have an awesome necklace and or keyring to show for it um and know more about the SDGs yeah (laughs) win 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 that's right that's cool (laughs) I think the uh, one of the things I really like to stress is like why the beads? Why why painting? Yeah, and it kind of it comes back to in this, in you know, in the twenty first century, we're so consumed with um, dataism and technology. We actually need to make time to be creative and to make and go back to craft because it brings us into the present. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too is the SDGs. These are massive problems that are going to require out of the box solutions, mm-hmm. and creativity sparks creativity. And that's why we make it a creative activity to give you an environment, foster an environment that allows you to think up innovative and alternative solutions to the SDGs. Mm-hmm. And there's so much fun. Like when we run these with businesses, when you see a partner ask the junior, oh, how did you make SDG 2? Like, that's a really great color. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me how to make it? <laughs> you know, it just, it strips that hierarchy. And it's, yeah, it's just, um, it's a beautiful thing. So I really, I mean, I know sometimes the painting puts people off it. They just want the science and the, um, you know, they just want, like, to be talked at. They want the lecture. Right. But this, as I said, this requires, the SDGs requires everyone. Yeah. You're going to have to get uncomfortable yeah. to action the SDGs. Yeah. And if you can't paint some beads, <laughs> then, you know, oh boy. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I challenge everyone to just sort of open up their minds and see beyond, like, yeah, to just... Get behind it. Try something different. And um, as, as we like to say, bead the change you nice. want to see in the world. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Another quote. Another quote. Oh, my gosh. I'm just a quote book. This, this is ridiculous. This podcast has been full of quotes. <laughs> no, that's good. None well, of my own. <laughs> but I like the, um, the, you know, I think as well, you know, painting and 
like we do that when we're younger and then you kind、mm. of grow out of it. Yeah. But actually, that creativity and the colors and the,、uh, you know, physically making something yourself, it does unlock something. Within you, probably. So, that's a good idea.、Mm, I love it. Stephen, you've hit the nail on the head. That was so well explained. Yep, oh, good. That、yeah. was it. Yeah, but I didn't have a quote to really back it up. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I'm going to quote you from now on. Yeah, Hope you、okay. don't mind. No, no, that's all good. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. It's late on a Friday evening, afternoon.、Um, but I want to thank you for coming on and just sharing a bit about your journey and you know, what you're doing now. And I'll watch with interest to see how it develops. And Um, we'll put some links in so people can find out more. But the thing that strikes me talking with you is just is clearly an emphasis on community and support. And it isn't just you that's doing this.、Mm. <laughs> you know, there's been a lot of people who've influenced and helped you from your older sister、mm-hmm. to your twin to your parents to the other people in your community. And I think that's really important to emphasize because too often, I see entrepreneurs come through the door with a great idea, but they don't have that support. They don't、mm. really have other people. So it's just, an, I guess, my reflection is encouragement to reach out and get other people on board with what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And look, if, 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 I don't know, if any listener is out there who doesn't have that person,、mm-hmm. then I'm happy to talk to them. You、yeah. know, <laughs> you can share my family. <laughs> But、um, no, it's so important yeah, to, have, to have that support, definitely. Yeah, because、um, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you, c- you can't do it alone.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go, listeners. The offer is out there. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thank you、But、so you ha- much. You have to do Beat and Proceed, though. <laughs> yeah, you have to do Beat and Proceed. Nice. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And、um, yeah, we'll just watch and see. And... All right. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Well, I do hope you enjoyed that conversation. I know for me there were several things that stood out. I really appreciated the enthusiasm that Bridget had throughout the interview, and I loved all the quotes that we had. For some reason, that was a recurring theme of that interview. And also, just hearing about her decision to leave behind the corporate role as a lawyer and move into that role of founding Bead and Proceed. And what a great initiative to highlight the SDGs in this creative and unusual way. It'll be interesting to watch to see how it all develops. If you enjoyed this episode, then consider subscribing, sharing it with a friend, and maybe leaving a rating or review and a comment on social media about it. All those things help to get the word out so other people can find it as well. And if you find it helpful, then it's likely that your friends will too. They might even thank you for alerting them to Seeds Podcast. I really appreciate all you listeners who are reaching out as well. It's really fun to have people walk up and say that they've been listening and enjoyed a particular episode. So keep sending me messages, and I'll try to read out some of them on upcoming episodes. Until next time.